It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. recognize that tune and you know it's time for digging with seven and tennessee jeff join us for the next hour as we talk metal detecting with tonight's special guest you can call in at 270-495-0315 or you can join in the conversation through the chat room post any questions that you have and we'll get to as many of them as we can you're listening to Relics Radio on Spreaker. It's Thursday night again, and you're listening to Relics Radio. I am Digging with Seven. And I'm Tennessee Jeff. We are going to stay with you here for the next hour, hour and a half. Uh, let me uh, give you an update to, to start with on uh, the uh, 2017 Christmas giveaway contest that uh, Jeff Kimmel and Digging with Seven and Tennessee Jeff have. We're giving away a GoFind, or MindLab GoFind 40 metal detector to some young kid. And I have left a link in uh, this broadcast here that you can go to and sign up any kid 15 years and younger. Uh, your kid, your grandkid, your niece, your nephew, get them in there. Get them signed up. I think right now we've only got about 39 kids. We need more than that. And uh, get all of them signed up. And uh, so excited tonight to uh, speak with our special guest, Plugmaster Ford, out of Missouri. Are you with us there, Jeff? I am here, and uh, really don't like to be called special. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Just fine. Oh, we're great. We've already got uh, Dave Miller in the house, and we've already got Nick, Nick Hall. Yeah. Hello, and uh, we are we're going to have a special night here tonight. Uh, you have uh, just returned from a very successful, in my book, a very successful DIV hunt, haven't you? I, I tell you what, Loy, and of course you and I hunted there together, the same exact farm 
that we just had the privilege to hunt again. And, uh, and you know how many relics it produced when we were there. And, uh, and, and actually when you were there, there was a second time it had been hunted. Well, this was the third time and it was even better. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You know, when you think of the history that's there, thousands and thousands of troops that dug in for winter camps for four to five months. And, uh, I mean, I, I tell you, when I walk those grounds, I kind of get chills thinking about the winter that those, you know, young men went through back then. Uh, how, you know, not just the elements, but just the way of life, you know, not being able to, you know, plug in anything and warm up real quick and i mean you know it, it was a it was a rough rough way of life but man the the relics this time it was incredible especially for me and uh and of course you know using pulse machines which is what you need to use out there um there's there's an awful big learning curve and uh and i think that's why i was so successful this time is just because I had worked with my machine, you know, I, I've had it for a year now and, uh, and just worked with it more and more and, and just, I'm comfortable with it now. And I, that makes a huge difference, you know. You know, Jeff, you were saying that, um, you'd used your machine more and more. I've seen a lot of guys at DIV and, uh, that they'd go buy a, a GPX for one year and, uh, turn around and sell it after the DIV is over with. And knowing good and well they couldn't get used to the machine and learn how to use it, it just in that little bit. So, I mean, if if you're going to spend that much money on a uh, detector, you might as well just learn how to use it and keep it. Exactly, exactly. It's like, I mean, you know, honestly, it's like renting, I don't know, some kind of technology that, that, you know, you cannot learn in three days. You know, a lot of people do that. A lot of people will rent a machine as well, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if, if that's all your budget affords, then, then, you know, that's great. It takes a while though to get where you're comfortable with that machine in your hands. And, and I'll guarantee you, I hunted for my first time, um, until my second hunt, I hunted more with that machine than a lot of guys that attended DIV. Uh, but I still didn't feel like I knew it. You know, I still didn't feel like, you know, I mean, I was finding, I was finding things, I was finding things deeper, um, but it really clicked this time for me. And, uh, and it was just a matter of having the machine in your hand. You know, our, our soil out here and where you guys live is way different than that Culpeper red soil. It's, it's not near as mineralized. And so, um, that was actually a, a great thing for me because I had to make some changes on my machine back here. Which, mm-hmm. you know, going out my first time, you know, Tony Hoschdetler, he's, he's mm-hmm. got some tutorial videos and everything. Well, I set my machine up the way Tony said to set it up, and I hunted that way. Well, you know, that works for Tony's machine. He runs a bigger coil, and, you know, and I did okay, but I didn't know the machine. And so being able to just adjust on the fly and just change some things... Um, and all, all the way you get to that point is by learning your machine and by using it. You know, I use a CTX thirty thirty. That's my main machine that I hunt with. And I kid you not, I hunted with that machine for a year before I really felt comfortable with it. And and that's what I tell people. Whether you know, if you've got a bounty hunter, um, if you've got you know uh, an old lights, if, no matter what you have, if you don't put the hours on that machine. 
you know, it's not going to do you any good to trade up and get a, a better machine, you know, and just keep trading. You know, you, you've got to sit down with that machine and you've got to, you've got to put it through. I mean, you got to, you know, you got to use it, you got to put it through the ropes. One, and, uh, and that's the only way to learn them. One thing that I always said was, uh, you don't, you don't even know you're not even introduced to your machine until you've got a hundred hours on it and then you don't know it completely i'm just now learning my gpx and i'm trying to use it you know uh, several times a week and uh, try to use it in nail infested areas and everything i was fortunate enough that uh, whenever i bought my gpx you shared your settings with me and uh, mm-hmm. are they different in Missouri and uh, in Culpeper? Yes. Yes, they are. We make small little tweaks to them. Um, and and those settings that I sent you were the ones that I had found. And actually, I kind of correlated with Riley Bryant. A lot of folks that are listening tonight know Riley uh, mm-hmm. through Facebook. Uh, he's a younger gentleman in, uh, out in Memphis area. Uh, wonderful relic hunter and very knowledgeable, you know, for his age. And, uh, and Riley and I, we, we, I had him out to hunt my Civil War camp and, and, uh, and he was finding things and I was just, you know, I was struggling. I mean, I still finds things, but not near as much. And again, I was hunting with my Culpepper settings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we went and I looked at his and I just tweaked some things different ways. I didn't set mine up exactly as his was set up. Um, but I had it really close, and right after that, I took a few steps and busted two cuff buttons, and you know, it, it was just just little changes can make a huge difference with those machines, and that's the uh, and that's the difference in someone who you know just buys a machine and goes out there compared to someone who uses a machine and gets to know it, and uh, and so those those settings that I sent you were the ones for back here, and when I go out to Culpepper, I make a few changes, not a ton. Um, but a few little tweaks here and there on, you know, on the machine. And then when I get out in the field, um, there's more tweaks that get made, you know, with the stability and the gain and everything like that, just depending on, you know, how the machine is balancing. Uh, with those machines, you want a steady hum. And, uh, and if you're not getting that, you need to make some adjustments. You know, you've got to hear that steady threshold in order to hear the deep stuff, little faint targets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you sent me yours, and uh, Tennessee Jeff gave me his. And I've had some people over the past uh, week or so, well, over the past week, that have asked me about settings and things. And, and you know, I'm not experienced enough, but I share with them what uh, people have given me. And uh, on uh, on search mode, you and Jeff both run deep. And if if some of those guys are listening you you can uh, you can play this back and get these settings on your soil timings uh both of them run special which i do too and and div has a suggestion and all of those are the same and but then on uh on ground balanced uh jeff and div call for fixed you call for tracking do you still run that way no i i should be in fixed okay and uh i tell you there's a secret to this machine ground balance the thing about every 15 20 minutes and uh because and you, you know what i that and that's one thing i did and and i'll tell you what i learned um and i learned this 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 year 
I watched an older gentleman, and this was at DIV 38, not the last one we went to, but the one that was a couple, two and a half weeks before. And I watched this older gentleman sit out there and get a signal. And every time he would get a signal, he moved that coil over to the right and he ground balanced. And then he got the signal again, just to make sure. Because I don't know about you, Loy, but I've had, you know, in times past, I've dug three or four really big target signals uh, only to find out I was out of balance and there wasn't anything there in the first place. And so I'm sure, Jeff, you've been down that road <laughs> yes, as well. It's, it's it's frustrating, you know, and and uh, I I did it at 38, and Tony Hostetler was there, and I said, Tony, can you check this hole? He brings his coil over and puts it down. He goes, you're out of balance. And I go, <laughs> I, just, I just ground balanced not long ago, and he goes, you're out of balance. And he goes, maybe you balanced on a nail or something. And so I, I pumped that rascal and went over, and there was nothing. And I was just dejected, you know. That sounded good, you know. I was chasing this signal, and I thought, oh, yeah, I got a good one here. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing there. Well, so Jeff, that's you know, kind of it's frustrating and humiliating. <laughs> Jeff shared that with me whenever, you, you know, uh, on CTX, I, I rarely ground balanced. You know, once when you went in the field or something other, maybe sometimes I didn't even do that. AT Pro, I do it a little bit more. But he told me, he said, on that GPX, you are going to have to ground balance that thing all the time, and I do. And mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on ground balance type on uh, CTX, we're all running general. And then on uh, on special, are you running in extra? Yes. Oh, okay. DIV uh, has a uh, suggestion of extra sensitive, but I run mine in extra too. And then right. on uh, motion, motion is slow. And then your RX gain, you just have to set your RX gain depending on where you're at to where that you right. don't, and I, don't get and the chatter. And there's a lot of, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that say that the gain um, is your depth, and it might be in some circumstances, but I haven't noticed a whole lot. I mean, you know, I I ran it at 12, you know, which was the recommended settings out at, at DIV, and, uh, you know, I dug, dug 12 and 14-inch buttons. Well, this last time, I wasn't near that high. Well, I dug 12 and 14-inch buttons, you know, and so honestly you know i think it has something to do with it but it also it's also you know having that much gain it's going to be a little harder to stabilize your machine in my opinion um and and the stability in the machine in the gpx is the key i'm jeff can you know jeff can vouch for that Mm -hmm. you know if if that machine isn't stable um you're not and, and that's where it's especially you know we went this is this was the third time for us to hunt this ground. Now, the first two times, there was 450 people each time. So there's been 900 hunters hitting this patch. And we went back to a place where we had pounded before. But I had my machine so stable, and I was moving really slow in this area. And when you have a deeper target like that, uh, you know, and and you've got that stable threshold, you're going to hear that difference in your threshold. And those of you that aren't familiar with the with the GPX, it's tone only, and you have a uh, you have a you have a uh, 
uh, uh, I'm sorry, Mike was giving me directions real quick. Um, but you have a, a steady hum, and what you're listening for are differences in that threshold, either a low high or a high low. And uh, so it's very important to be able to hear all those subtle changes. And uh, and that's where I, I was at error, I guarantee you, my first couple times was listening for those subtle changes. Um, I had a coil that I think was kind of on the outs anyway back then because it never would really stabilize. And so um, I got a new coil, and it seems to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, That's another question. What coil do you use? Well, I use the uh, the mine the Commander twelve by fifteen as my main coil. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the I have the eleven inch as my backup, and uh, but I mean that twelve by fifteen. You know, a lot, I know there's guys out there that say, "Oh, you don't get any more depth with the twelve by 15. and I go, "Well, I, I don't know. I, I can't say yes, I do, but I can tell you this: that I've gone in right after guys have used the standard coil, and I've dug bullets and butts. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I can't say, and, and you guys both have been out there. I can't say that it's because of, um, you know, my coil. I mean, you've seen a lot of the guys out there and there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, should have their setting for super fast as opposed to slow, oh, yes. um, because they're just whipping it back and forth. I mean, you know, that's, that's one thing I always tell anyone new to the hobby, you know, and, and I like to take new guys all the time. Um, that's one thing, you know, Mike and I try to do is we try to get together with other people and hunt as much as we can. I mean, Mike and I enjoy hunting together, but, you know, he just keeps telling the same stories over and over again. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's one of those deals. We enjoy going with new people. Uh, and we're, you know, we're very active in our metal detecting club as well. And, uh, and always, I'm always willing to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's, Let's see what you're doing. And uh, my first thing, my first thing to them always is, hey, slow down. Um, you know, your coil, the closer you get it to the target, you know, the better, the deeper you can get. And that's what a lot of people, you know, a lot of people mess up as well because, you know, they, they're swinging four inches off the ground. Well, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a six-inch target, yeah, six-inch target, you've already gave up. Yeah, I mean, it's 10 inches, you know. And uh, that's asking a lot of some of these machines. So it's, uh, you know, slow down, keep your coil on the ground. And I always tell everyone, I say, well, my whole deal is I paint the yard. You know, when I'm now at DIV, it's different because you're roaming. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're just going everywhere. You're not really gritting or anything like that. But when we're, when we're uh, yard hunting, you know, that's what I, I, I do. I paint the yard. I, that's what I'm doing in my mind when I'm, you know, when I'm detecting is I'm trying to cover every square inch of ground that I can, you know. And because uh, I like, when I leave the yard, if I get a permission, I, I want to leave the yard knowing that I hunted the yard. Uh-huh. You know, I really, I really hunted the yard. I hate to ever leave the yard and think, I wonder what I missed, you know. Uh, Nick Hawes wanted to know if uh, you saw anybody at DIV that was using a Garrett, a Garrett uh, Infinium. Um, not this time. Um, now my buddy Jeremy Wade, who, uh, he, he lives out in Virginia. He had an Infinium, uh, the first time we were there. And, uh, and he actually, it actually went out on him. Someone, uh, he said, he said that someone auto-tuned real close to him and it, it made a big pop on his machine. 
and that's another thing, you know, with these high power machines, you get a lot of interference, but, um, it blew out something in his machine. Um, and so I, you know, I, I don't, I, I know Nugget Noggin, you, not, not, sorry, Nugget Noggin used one, one time out there. Um, and I know he found some bullets and stuff. I don't, you know, comparative, you know, I mean, there's bullets everywhere and everyone's going to find bullets, but, you know, comparative to everyone else that was there, I don't know how he stacked up with the Infinium. Well, whenever I was out there, I didn't have my GPX at the time and, uh, I borrowed a White's TDI from our group and uh, used it and i only had it set to uh, hear low tone so i didn't find any brass and i didn't know that until everything was over but then uh, jeff went to his big call uh, on the last day that we were there i did i've got the 15 inch DTEC, and uh, it's a deep coil but i mean it's so heavy i mean it's it's hard mm-hmm. to swing it around and uh and you have to turn your uh, gain down to like three before, I mean, it runs stable. I mean, it's just that really? much, yeah, it's that much po- more powerful. And, uh, mm. I mean, I've I done pretty good with it. And then uh, I think I found that Virginia button with that big coil. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I was happy with now, it then. You, now, when, you, when you're messing with your gain, are you messing with your stability at the same time? Yes, kind of, I am. They kind of work together. Yeah, mm, They do work together. Yeah, one, one goes down, one's got to go up. <laughs> the, way that, like. the way that I understand it is that the stability is kind of a fine tune. You you start out like with your stability at 10, what the, uh, what the factory preset is, and then mm-hmm. adjust your gain until you don't get, you know, until it's pretty stable fairly stable and then uh take your uh stabilizer and bring it up or down until you know you fine-tune it uh yeah at this time when i bought my big coil i bought it from don dotson and uh of course i called him that morning i was like well this thing's just going crazy and then he told me just to reset the factory reset the machine and start from the beginning and work your way up and i did that and it it seemed to help out a lot Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and, and again, stability is so much in metal detecting. I mean, even with you guys know with the AT Pro with my CTX, you know, we we get unstable in numbers and and fields, and so you know that's the key is figuring out how to keep that machine stable. It is. I mean, it's. Uh, let me let me go through the rest of these settings in case somebody was listening and they're wanting to uh, bring those uh, uh, bring those in uh, on motion. Go slow on that, and but you have to slow down. You can't hunt fast with that. RX gain. You're going to have to figure out whenever you get to a spot. You're going to have to adjust to where you're not getting uh, any. Uh, you know a whole bunch of chatter and everything and so that will change from one side to another audio run that on deep uh stabilizer you will have to adjust that now here's what uh, div recommends on rx gain from 10 to 14 and 7 on stabilizer uh jeff and i right now on some of the sites that we hunt we're hunting we're running 13 on the gain and three on the stabilizer but uh i had uh the site that I've hunted for three years now with other machines, I actually turned my gain down to around seven or eight and turned my stabilizer up. And I found stuff mm-hmm. in, in spots that I hadn't found. But it, it, like you said, it was more stable. 
and then uh, response will be normal, and then tracking uh, will be. Uh, I like my tracking on slow. DIV recommends medium, but I like mine on slow. And then I run my iron uh, reject. I run it up to ten. What do you run on your my iron reject? Yeah. What What do you have yours on? I've got mine on ten. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. See, and and that's another thing that we have to toy with. because, you know, and I don't know how much moisture in the ground uh, affects that, but, um, you know, I've been out there before in DIV and ran it at eight. And, uh, but, you know, this year I, I took mine down to seven, maybe even took it down to six because buttons were breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. and, and of course, the lower, the lower you go, the more you're going to dig nails. Yeah. And uh, those of you familiar with Civil War camps know there are lots of nails. A lot of lots square of nails. Lots of ration cans and lots of barrel bands and lots of everything, you know, that are, are not necessarily desirable targets. And uh, and so, you know, the key is, um, you know, getting it to where you can tell a little bit of a difference between the two. And you can have your machine set up perfect. You can have your stability set up perfect and the thing running just as stable uh, as it can run. And then some J-Bo go out there and find something that's not even conductive, which you did in this hunt. Tell everybody about that. (laughs) Oh, it was funny. I mean, you know, and, of course, the guys I go with, you met some of them, but uh, Brandon, Jeremy, and Adam, um, we're hardly ever are we all really close together hunting, but at this point of the hunt, which is, it was day one and it was about, I don't know, a little bit afternoon, I'm guessing. And it's in my episode that I released this morning. Um, but I, I got a high tone and it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest high tone. Um, you know, like the buttons I had been digging, but, but it, there was something about it. I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and dig this. It sounded a little more faint, so I thought, okay, it's a little bit deeper. So I go on one side of the hole, and I got a new shovel. Um, I got a big shovel this time. After watching all these old-timers using these huge shovels, I thought, you know, I'm going to try it. And I'm glad I did, because you can move a lot of dirt in two scoops compared to five or six in the one I use to cut plugs in yards, you know. And uh, so... I cut the plug on one side and just kind of popped the dirt up. I did, and then I went to the other side and popped it out. And I learned that that would leave me about the right size for my 12 by 15 coil to, you know, go down in. So I throw the first bunch out. And as I throw the second load out, I see this thing in the air and I see it land right at the last time. And I turned to the guys and I just started fist pumping, you know, and they're all kind of looking at me and they're like, which fine. I'm just. And I didn't, I didn't realize it was clay, but what I found, what was laying out was a, a clay inkwell and, uh, it would have been manufactured in Richmond, which was, you know, home to the Confederacy. So this is something, a personal item that a Confederate soldier would have been using, you know, to write home, write letters home. And, uh, and that's just a special part of it right there. You know, uh, just that was something that was, dear to the soldier you know the bullets the buttons those aren't those are you know utility items for them um this was something special that you know that that he really you know needed in order to communicate and so you know finding finding that was really exciting 
for me. Uh, it was dumb luck. You know, I, I, it was so funny because we sat there for the longest time and I did my video segment and everything like that and I get done and I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't even found my target yet. And so <laughs> I go back in and I find it. You know what it wound up being? What? It, it wound up being about a one and a half inch rusty barrel band. No, something yeah. I would never have dug, you know, it, it, on purpose. So I just felt like it was God's gift to me. Um, you know, he said, here you go, buddy. You've dug enough holes here. I'm going to give and you it's, some. And <laughs> it's not, it's not a small inkwell. I mean, it's, it's pretty good size. The yeah, way it's, it's not, a, it's not, not tiny at all. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of like a, kind of like a clay marble or something like that that you find or, uh, yeah, you know it's not conductive, and so you you just uh, I mean it, there's one in a million chances that you're going to find the thing. But I come well, in. Well, and the fact. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the the fact that this had never been hit by a plow blade. You know, I mean, I was one one shovel deep, which is you know close to a foot. But the fact that this thing had never taken a plow hit is another amazing. Uh, it is. <laughs> So that's what I'm after, the uh, bottle. Uh, I've never found one, and just pieces is all I've ever found. And I'm after the inkwells, yeah. ginger beer, whiskey bottles, whatever. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Brandon, one of the guys that was with us, got into a pit uh, this time. And, uh, well, you know, he was the one you got kind of got into his pit last time mm-hmm. a little bit, Jeff, mm-hmm. when you guys were out there. Well, he got into another one and, and dug it out and there and laying in there was four or five um, bottles, whole Man. bottles, but they were broke. Every one of them were broken and they weren't probably a foot and a half deep. And uh, so he gathered them all up, you know, and, but one of them was a bitters, one of them was a whiskey and I can't remember what the other ones were, but you know, they were, they were really nice bottles. Um, one of them was had a pretty good chunk of it still together, and mm-hmm. so he's going to try to put those together. And then, honestly, the next day he got into another pit, and uh, and I actually helped him with that. And we we uh, he wound up digging out a plate, part of a mess plate, um, a ceramic mess plate, really nice. Uh-huh. And uh, but it, it was broken up, of course, you know. But you know, those are those are some neat items to find. You know, you think about that and how they've survived 150 some odd years oh, in yeah. a farm field <laughs> they're great finds but man it's work getting to them I, mm-hmm. I, oh yeah i commented on your video and i said that uh that the uh inkwell that was worth the drive out there right there it would have been to me oh yeah uh, <laughs> well you know our door knocking trip before that was worth the drive out there for us yeah, yes it was uh <laughs> We'll get to that in a minute. I do want to bring that up and and uh, talk about that. So, uh, do a few shout outs here to some people that are in that we haven't recognized. Larry it's Stevens Larry. is in. Uh, Josh Kimmel with Beyond Sight and Sound is in. Nick Haas, I think we mentioned him. Nick with uh, History Preserved. Quarter Hoarders in. And uh, you also on this hunt found something that I found this week as well. And I did a history clip on uh, my last, I guess this video this week. But it is a uh, belt adjuster for a, uh, well, actually the thing can be used in three different ways. It can be a belt adjuster on a sword belt shoulder strap, or it can be the actual hook that hooks onto the ring of the sword belt uh, main belt. 
or it can be it's the same item is used on a musket sling adjuster and when uh, hmm. Dave Miller mentioned this here a while ago, said you guys both found the same thing, you know, the same week. And uh, I was amazed to see that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I had to plead ignorant when I found mine. I had no clue um, what it was. And, and Jeremy Denning, a good friend of ours that goes out with us, um, I went over to him. He told me exactly what it was. And then when we got back to the hotel room, we went through the went through the book and uh and found it and i, I was like well that's a neat piece and i wound up finding two of them you know so I was, <laughs> that was that was that was pretty pretty neat you know went from never having one to having a couple so well i've um, i've found one uh before so i knew what mine was this last week and uh but then i did some research on it and did a history clip and i didn't know that that same item is actually used on three different things it can actually be off of a uh uh, musket sling, uh, you know, the strap where they'd carry the rifles. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was interesting. But as you yeah, said... Yeah, it, it, was, it was something riveted in, right? I mean, it right. was... Uh, riveted yeah. into, okay. the, uh, into the leather belt. Uh, right. Go watch my video this week, and then you'll... you'll. I did a short history thing on it to give you a little bit better idea. I will do it. But y'all had on your uh on your door knocking before you ever got to div you could have turned around and went back home couldn't you i'm telling you it was that was a stupid hunt it was you know it's it's what we always dream of as far as door knocking goes and and honestly guys you know where i live you know there there's houses back there that we get to hunt out in virginia that were there before we were even a state here. And so, you know, we were, I, you know, granted, you know, late 1800s, we have all kinds of that around here. It's great. You know, we enjoy it. But I tell you what, you want to ruin what you've got back home, go out there and hunt for a week or hunt for a couple of days or whatever. Cause you know, I remember the first time we went out there and, and Jeremy Wade, we met up with him and I said, Oh man, that house looks good. And he goes, No, man, that's 1880s. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. He goes, No, 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 no. He goes, You want 1850s and before? And I'm like, Well, yeah, sure I do. And so he went through the steps of, of explaining things to us on what to look for. Um, you know, and here's the things you look for the double chimney, the French basement. You know, there's just characteristics that you look for. And so, um, of course, Jeremy, you know, he didn't go door knocking with us this time. But when we went into that, and we use we use Google Maps like crazy. I don't know if a lot of people do, but I street yeah. view everything. Any town I'm going to, I'll guarantee you, I have moused around it on my computer before we get there, and I recognize a lot of houses. You know, this, we went today, and and it was just dumb luck. I took a right when I should have, and boom, there was the house, and I said I wanted done, and that's the one we hunted all day today. So. Um, but that, that Google Maps, you know, doing the street view is great, great for things like that. Um, it's a great way to study houses, too. You can go out into Virginia, and you can go out into Maryland, and you can go out into Connecticut and Massachusetts, and you can street view, and you can drive around and get to know what an old house actually looks like. And uh, and that's, you know, that's that's what you really want to do. If, that, if you want to find old stuff, you're going to have to hunt the old places. Me and Jeff use historic aerials quite a bit, and yep. uh, 
you know, we don't have any aerial shots here. What's the earliest? 1950? Yeah, uh, 1950. That's the earliest I've got. And... uh, but it does have topographical maps that you can pull in. It is a valuable tool. And then, like you say, mm-hmm. you, you can take that, go into Google Earth and uh, do a street view or whatever, and you can see the terrain. And there, there's a lot of tools out there to use uh, to, to find those old houses and those old spots like that, you know. Some of them pan out. Yeah. Some of them don't. Me and Jeff hunted a couple. Well, the last two or three that we've hunted they've turned out to be like 1930s or 40s houses yeah mm-hmm. i sure have and uh, a lot of the maps we uh study have the river crossings the old fords and uh stuff like that that helps out a lot because i mean you know everybody crossed right there exactly that's exactly right and that's something and i will tell you i'm light on that as far as um you know, uh, the especially especially the Civil War and you know the travels and everything like that. Um, you know, I, I always say I'm a coin shooter at heart, but I honestly love chasing Civil War relics. I just haven't. I don't put in the effort and the time like you guys do. You know, um, I'm I'm too busy putting in the effort to research in other towns and things like that. And if I can ever catch the two together, you know, that's just a big bonus. Oh um, yeah. We are we are blessed here in Springfield. You know, there was a lot of Civil War activity here in uh, Springfield. You know, we had the Battle of Wilson's Creek just outside of Springfield. And uh, and so, you know, we can go anywhere here in town and bust a three-ringer. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we dig bullets all over town here. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, we got back from our, from DIV 38 and I was so tickled because I'd finally dug a ringtail sharps. I hadn't dug one before. And the same week we got back, I dug one here in town. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ain't that the way it goes though, most of the time? Yeah. Let's see exactly. a lot of our good sites, uh, a lot of our good home sites, they're on, we cannot find them on a map nowhere. Of course, they're, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. And you pretty much, you just have to, get like around water or uh up on high hills and then hopefully you'll run up on a good spot so right and and i don't know about your area and i know it varies with historic aerials um everywhere throughout the country like on my property uh where my farm is uh a quarter of it i can pull up on a 1934 map but all the rest of it is way earlier than that or you know later than that i mean so i can't go as mm-hmm. old there um, but it was neat because I could pull up on this 1934 map and see an old home site, you know, where, uh, out on my property, which had been bulldozed by the last owner of the place. And me and the kids ran down there and I found like, I think a 1938 wheat penny or something like that. So, you know, it was, it was neat. If you, if you knew where this was, it's in the middle of bear country in the middle of nothing. And here's a 1938 wheat cent. Yeah, that was kind of a cool find. So that's a good question, though. When you're out in the woods, have you ever run up on a bear? Uh, yeah, I not really ran up on them. I see them. Um, you know, where I live, there's quite a few, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, when of course when I'm trapping them, Jeff, I see them all the time. Uh-huh. You know, uh, especially when I'm baiting, and you know, it kind of gets hairy after a while. You know, the longer we bait, the different the bears change, and so. We always try not to uh, not to go too long at one time, and we'll let it sit for a while. Bears are incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. animals. I don't know if people know that, but 
Um, they learn, um, you know, but they forget too. They'll forget after a while and they'll go back to their ways. And so, you know, we've had times where it's, you had to yell at the bear to get them away just so you could change the camera card and put, give them, give them some more bait, you know? Um, I don't enjoy those times as much, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, but then, you know, I, I have put myself in situations where I really shouldn't have. And I tell you what, it's it's intense watching you let those bears go. Sometimes <laughs> I'll tell you, it is. It, there is a. Uh, I, I had one. Um, I don't know. I don't think I posted this video. Um, I had one, which it was a juvenile. It was a yearling male, but still, I mean, this is you know ninety pounds of of teeth and claws as well. And uh, while he was in the trap, he was pretty pretty aggressive towards the edge of the trap and so in order to open the trap i have to stand pretty close to the mouth of the trap and it's never been a problem i open it up and they take off running usually (laughs) (laughs) and this old boy this old boy just walked right up to the edge on my side and i'm and i had one of my kids video and i'm sitting there going this this could go sour you know and uh and he steps out and takes a right and i thought oh no and but then he realized i was there i don't think he ever realized i was mm-hmm. actually there and he ran off and so um, i was thankful for that and I, then i caught his mama a week later so yeah and she was she was nice she let me do some real nice video on her they're anyway, like yeah those are that that's fun they're like everything else they have uh, different personalities i guess and exactly that is exactly right i i have one bear um i've had one i've caught her twice and i just i call her the crazy bear i mean she is she's nuts and uh and you want to get her out of there as just as quick as you can you know um and the first time i caught her we needed to catch her you know but then the second time i caught her we didn't need to catch her and i just i couldn't get her out quick enough it was uh it was some wild stuff but Anyway, why are we talking about bears? Let's talk about metal detecting. Yeah, let's more. T- let's talk about metal detecting. Uh, <laughs> y- you mentioned that uh, you know back in your area, y'all spend a lot of time door knocking and uh, hunting places like that. Kind of take us through. And by the way, I meant to say something other uh, to Missouri Mac. Uh, him and Jeff are both on the road right now, coming home from a hunt, and. Uh, actually talking with us on the road and i wanted to do a, a shout out and a holler to uh, missouri mac but kind of take us through how y'all go through your door knocking and the procedure to get your permissions and what you look for in a house well and and that's well where we live and of course you know we're dealing with basically civil war and till now uh, we really, there's not a, a lot of 1860s style houses. And so basically, I mean, we do find, you know, one or two. And, uh, and there's not a ton of difference between 60s up until the 80s, late 90s, uh, on houses. But, um, one of the things we do, we use Google, um, I use Wikipedia. That's my number one go-to thing because there's, there's a couple things that I'm looking for. Um, I don't want to give out a whole lot of secrets just because we have a lot of competition here where we live mm-hmm. um, with everybody and their dog metal detects. Um, but basically what I'm looking for is a certain population size town. Um, and, and the reason I do that is these are the ones that have been really good to us. And so I look for one that's got a certain amount of population now 
okay? And I'm talking about a current population. Um, and so I look for one that's that's about that size, and then I go into Wikipedia and I read all the research on it, uh, you know, or the history on it, what they have on there. When was it platted? Um, you know, when did they have a post office? Um, and if I can look up old roads, I, I try to do that as well. But the number one thing I'm looking for is in the demographics section, I want uh, a town that at least had, you know, a couple hundred people population in 1880. And uh, and that's something you can find on Wikipedia on the demographics. And so if I know that and I know that there's, you know, five, there's five, uh, five per family roughly demographics wise, I'm looking at 40 houses that are going to be in that 1880s section you know what i mean and so then you have to decide okay how do i determine an 1880s built house well around here um we call them rock jobs but they have stone foundations and uh and and that's not a hundred percent thing because you know everyone did it a little bit differently but for the most part um we have these you know we have these uh, uh stone foundation houses and so you know, that's the number one thing we're looking for when we're going in, looking for these 40 houses that might be there out of that 200 population. Now, you know, through everything that goes on, you take about half of that and go, well, we're hoping that there's 20 houses, mm-hmm. you know. And with door knocking, it just takes one house, just like today. I mean, we we went out and we hunted one house. We started at 930, and uh, we left just a little bit before dark. And, uh, and it was, I know, Lloyd, you said you were babysitting today. So were we, we had a couple kids on with us and they were, they were a blast. No, uh, that's, that's Jeff. Yeah. That was me babysitting. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's right. Well, you're babysitting all the time, but yeah, yeah we had, uh, we, we had, we had two, uh, Stevie and Elam, uh, went around with us today and they were fun. We, we had a good time and, and, uh, you know, we had we had three of us hunting this one yard. It was a really big yard, a house built in 1904. Um, and you know, the thing to look for, and this is the thing we like to go for, is the bigger houses at first, um, especially in a town where you know there's probably not much pressure, uh, because those are the houses that probably you know people are a little scared to ask because it's such a big monstrous house. You know, case in point, when we were out in Virginia, we hunted a plantation house that was historically listed, you know, it was on the historical registry. It was an 1805 plantation house. And that was a house, honestly, back in the day that I would have said, you know, I probably would have passed on that house because I would have assumed it was a no. Well, Adam, Adam went over there and got us permission Hmm. and you, you guys saw, you guys saw how it turned out. You know, I was knocking the door on one side and he was knocking the other side, and when we were supposed to meet back at the truck, he was halfway through the yard to the other place, and uh, and I'm glad he did, you know. Yeah, that, we, that was a good hunt. Him. It sure was. It was. Yeah. And it, you mentioned... It was. We, you mentioned something a while ago that, uh, and you know, we want to share as much information as we can because, to tell you the truth, we don't have a lot of pressure in our area right here, but you mentioned post office. And me and the guy were talking today and doing some research and everything. And uh, there was a post office in our county. And you won't have a post office in a location in a county unless you had a pretty good concentration of population there. But today, right. you got to have people. Yeah, you got to have people. <laughs> well, one of the first courthouses 
or uh, not courthouse, but one of the first post office uh, places in our county now is just a field. They got a cemetery there. They used to have a, a church there, but there's absolutely nothing there now. And uh, huh. so, whenever if you can go back and find the old post office, then you're going to find uh, some of the older communities. You know that uh, that may be nothing. Oh, yeah. now. they may just be fields. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say within a half a mile, uh, you know, and maybe even less than that, probably less than that for some of those older places, you know. And so you could take a place like that and do a quarter mile circumference all the way around, uh, you know. And 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 this is this is something too. Even if there's a newer house there, it, it might have been built upon the you know foundation of a really old house at some time. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people overlook. You know, and we do that too. I mean, we research houses and we're looking for houses as opposed to researching the dirt that's underneath the house, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where, that's where a lot of surprises come in too. And we're tickled with those, of course, you know. (laughs) Well, me and Jeff on the uh, rock wall, what we call the rock wall site that we worked, uh, probably in February, wasn't it last Uh, year? Uh, we found that, uh, we, we had an area, I picked an area. And then uh, we both did a little bit of research on that area, and Jeff said, I, I got on the uh, 1950 aerials, and there was no house up there around the pond. And so uh, he said it should be easy to find, and it was just a thicket. I mean, it's just a grown-up spot. But we <laughs> walked right to the place. And we did. And we hunted mm-hmm. probably a couple of hours, and uh, all we were finding was like 1950s junk, 40s and 50s, just tin roofing and everything. And uh, I was ready to go, and we got closer there was a rock wall that was pretty close to it there and we got down around it and we were still just finding junk and he had a signal and i told him i said if it's not a flat button we're leaving and uh, it was a tomback and we wound up slowing down concentrating and picking out some of that junk to get to the other you know the the targets that we desire to find and uh, he found a War of 1812 button. I found a, uh, a cut real, and, and we just found a ton of good stuff. But there was a 1950s house built on top of that site there, which I have found. Right. I found that quite a bit here in my yeah. my county in Monroe County, where you'll have some uh, 1940s or 50s houses. I mean, face it. You got to have water, and so you probably got an Indian mound because we'll be digging in this, you know, accidentally uh, dig up an Indian arrowhead. You had an Indian mound there, and then you had a colonial period site, and then you had a turn of the century site, and you may even have a modern site there, mm-hmm. you know. So, right. Yeah. That's, and, and, and that's hard to do, though. That researching the dirt is really hard to do. Um, but that's, and you guys know that you guys put the time into that. That's what makes you successful in what you do in finding these sites is you're studying, um, you know, the history and, 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 you know, put it's, it's kind of a puzzle at times. You just have to put the pieces together, uh, and it doesn't always work out like you guys say. Um, but you know, when it does, it's a wonderful thing, you know, and, and that's, I mean, when you stumble across, this, uh, you know, I've had some really dumb luck on stumbling across some Civil War stuff, and and uh, it's it's been, you know, it's been a neat little thing, you know, a camp I searched for forever and never could find, and uh, researched as much as I could and never could find it, and a guy was out shooting our horses one day, 
and he goes, man, I love seeing your Facebook posts. He goes, how come you never hunt that Civil War camp out by me? And I went, <laughs> uh, what? And so it all started from there, you know, as far as getting in on that on that camp. And then it led to, you know, more of the camp. And, and I've got another camp that I'm working on that, far as I know, uh, no one has been able to locate. And again, dumb luck. Uh, this guy comes up to me and says, Hey, you like to, you like to metal detect, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, you really need to hunt my dad's place. And I go, why would I want to hunt your dad's place? And he goes, Oh man. He goes, I thought you liked that civil war stuff. And I said, where's your dad live? And he told me, and I was like, okay. Cause I had zeroed in on a, you know, a county at least and, and around this one town. And he told me that town. And he said, yeah, when we were kids, we went back to this rock wall thing and, he said, we picked up a bunch of those lead bullets. He goes, oh, but they weren't called lead bullets. He said, they were called something funny. And I said, mini ball? And he goes, yeah, that's exactly what they were. He said, we picked up about 30 of them off the ground. And I went, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And so I was talking to him later, and I go, what else did you find out there? And he goes, oh, he goes, all we found were those 30 bullets and, uh, and that one belt buckle. And I went, um, I said, what kind, what kind of belt buckle? So he starts making the circle. And I said, what did it say on it? And he said, U.S. And I went, yeah, I probably do want to hunt your dad's place. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, but this is this is a this is a camp where you know, of course, as metal detectors, what's our number one goal? Find a gold coin if we can. That's just the creme de la creme. If you can find a gold coin, it is. And this camp, from the diaries that I read and everything, uh, they paid the soldiers during this time, and so. Uh, that excites me, the, the possibility of them, you know, getting a little too much ginger beer in them and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, right after you know. getting paid. Yeah, doing a little bit, yeah. of, doing a little bit of gambling on the camp that I hunt that is exactly the camp that I hunt that's about a mile from my house here. Uh, I found on one little high rise on that place, there were uh, a bunch of cut bullets and you know that they're using those for game pieces. And uh, mm-hmm. I found my tram right there, and I've always thought, you know, that they were probably gambling, and uh, yeah. that tram was lost, probably doing a little bit of drinking too, you know. And yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, and it's funny. I mean, they they would flatten bullets into poker chips, and I didn't realize this, but if you, I don't know if you've seen my, yeah, you saw my DIV video. I found two buttons that were unbelievably perfectly flattened. Uh huh. And, uh, and, and that Jeremy Denny had come over and I said, I said, it's almost like a poker chip. And he goes, Oh, that's, that's exactly what it was. And I went, they did that with buttons. He goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's easier to do it with, easier to do it with a button than it was with a, uh, with a bullet probably, you know, exactly. But these things were, I mean, perfectly smashed uh, and they're still, you know, really, of course we all like to find them fresh, you know, and, and still in good condition, but you know, the way they flatten these, you can see them just, just plain as day, uh, tell what they were. So you found more brass uh, yeah. on, on this hunt, didn't you? Than you normally do. Uh, I, I found more brass than I did lead. And yeah. that's kind of a strange deal out there. Um, I did. I, and again, you know, my, I had my machine really stable. I had the new coil on. Um, and I, I just heard everything, you know, I, I'm, of our group that goes, I'm usually not the number one, uh, finder of brass. And, uh, and it was funny because we always, you know, we like to play a game. It's, so we did a 10 cent bullet and I think it was $2 a button. I can't remember what we had set it at, you know, just a contest that we got into. And, and I mean, after two days, I had 12, 
I had 12, <laughs> you know, buttons already, and the other guys had like five or six. And I'm like, man, I'm up, you know, 24 bucks all total, uh, you know. And uh, but it, I, honestly, it just everything. I mean, I was finding percussion caps. I was finding. I found a scale shoulder lock, which you know, again, I had to ask what that was. Yeah, I've seen that um, too. And I, and I found a little ball button, which uh, I showed to Jeremy, and he said, he goes, that is really a unique find. He said, I have never seen one that small. Um, and, I mean, it was absolutely tiny but in perfect condition. You know, had the mint green from from Culpeper soil, which is always so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was, you know, it was really neat. But, yeah, I got over J-hooks and those, and those uh, sword hanger hooks and, and uh i mean just of course the tent or the you know the poncho grommets my goodness uh those things sound good they do sound good. Of those. <laughs> now, yeah, now it was, it was. the farm that you were hunting there in div that's the one that we hunted last spring correct correct uh-huh. where where you pull when you pull in the barn right there between the barn and the house and that's where the headquarters is set up and then you drive back there to the water tower or the tower, whatever that is. Silo. Silo, yeah. Silo. Y'all were to the left and up the hill along the fence line there, weren't you? Correct, yeah. Yeah, we, we got in there off of Farley Road. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we found a ton of stuff this spring there. Um, I mean, most of the buttons and, and everything that we found um, was there and down in that bottom where you and I were, Loy, where I... I don't yeah. know if you remember where I had that that bullet spill that I dug. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you that, were just up the hill area, from that, weren't you? Correct. Yeah. yeah, just up the hill from that, and uh, and it's so iron infested. But it will it will teach you so much on going slow with that GPX. I did, I mean, you know, you see guys out there who are whipping it back and forth, and you're just like, wow. Um, you know, because I'm going, I'm moving them inches at a time and really slow. And, you know, taking a step here and there and just listening. And you can, I mean, honest to goodness, you can pick stuff out of there. And you, and it was funny. The last day Adam and I were hunting and uh, and right there where everyone parks and there's dig holes everywhere. And I walked up and I busted that, that shoulder scale lock. And I'm like, and it was right next to some eggs where someone had sat down and peeled an egg and ate it. I'll and I that. was going, <laughs> I was like, Huh? How do they miss this? I mean, there's holes everywhere. Well, and when, then the then when we were there, well, I was gonna say up there, yeah, up there where you hunted, there was a lot of activity up there because just right down below that is where all the uh, where the tent line was, where yeah. all the pits have been dug. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that's exactly right. Well, we went back to that same spot, Loy, and you can tell from the video where we were, and uh, and you know the first day I think I dug five buttons out of there. And then, and then the next day I dug seven more, um, you know, combination of there and some other places, but it was, uh, I mean, the place is just absolutely littered. And I don't know if that was maybe a trash pit, uh, that whole area, but I mean, going in there, it's just iron overload after iron overload. And, uh, but you know, right next to that, and that's, what's so funny um, we were talking about it at the hotel room. We got out this one day, I think it was the last day, and I step out of the truck and I'm going through and it's just long, 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 you know, how that, that loud overload is. <laughs> and I got to a port and I just stopped and I thought, well, I'm going to sneak up on the iron. 
And so I turned back towards the truck a little bit, and I got just as crystal clear a bullet signal as you would ever get. And I dug it, and it was a 58 right there, you know, 15 steps from the truck, <laughs> surrounded by all that iron. But, you know, it it's there's so many relics there that if you can, you know, if you're hitting it from one way and it's so loud, if you can come at it from the other way and just kind of sneak up to it. And that's how I dug most of my buttons this time, I'll be honest. I mean, I had a few that really stood out. But for the most part, it was around junk. And, and it, or it was around um, other people's dig holes, you know. Yeah, I saw and that. That's another, thing, that's another, yeah, that's another thing. If people go out there, um, a lot of people don't recheck their holes, which I, I don't understand that. Um, but you know, you'll go out there, and I was I was standing next to Brandon. He goes, "Huh?" And somebody's hole, and he dug out all their dirt, and another inch down was a beautiful button. Man, and uh, you know, they probably got their poncho grommet and went on their way you know <laughs> well i know and, uh, uh let's see uh wednesday night i guess it was on beyond sight and sound josh and house hunter had gone out hunting that day and uh, house hunter found a uh he found a uh a half i believe it was a barber half or a seated half i can't remember really but anyway he found that in the hole and then rechecked his hole and had another signal and dug down, I don't know, another eight inches or a foot or something other, and uh, found a King George. Man. Both of them out of wow. the same hole. So, you know, if you cover it up and you go on, uh, there's another there's another generation that's down below all that, and you may be passing oh, yeah. up on that, you know. I know it was yeah. a couple and of that- years ago, uh, Hornbush, he was following this guy with the VLF machine, and uh course the guy he'd scrape the ground and then uh, of course he'd go on to the next one he'd scrape the ground and try to detect it and then uh, he'd done it like five or six different times and then hornbush went over there and see what he was uh getting and then so it was uh gardeners every one of them was gardeners huh. so i think he found like seven gardeners following that one guy wow good gracious that's uh... a <laughs> You know, and, and and again, people that don't know, the VLF machines really don't do very good in Culpeper soil. It's just so hot. Yeah, everything's um, iron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, and they say you know you if you dig enough holes, and of course, you know that's always my goal at DIV is is to just dig the holes I need to dig. <laughs> you know, that's hard to do with a GPS. It's hard. It to is do. so hard. It is hard to do, but. You know, um, I could imagine using a VLF where they just say, if you get a tone, you better dig it because everything's going to sound the same, mm-hmm. you know. and uh, We and went just, across the road I, from that farm, and almost nobody was over there for some reason. I don't know. But uh, Jeff located a spot up in a up in a thicket. I guess we weren't happy being out in the field, and yeah. we got... We got up in the thicket. He found that Virginia you guys, button. You guys took me over there, and I was ready to go back. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that. You did go over there with us. But yep. uh, I found some gardeners over there with my CTX. Now, if you hunt in yep. the woods, a VLF, you know, you can uh, you can get by with it a little bit more. In the field, it's a useless machine. I mean, you just can't use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's because all the, I mean, these have been crop fields since the Civil War. You know, and you think of the amounts of fertilizer and all the mineralization that has taken place into this soil, um, and it's just extremely hot. I, I 
you know, people always ask me, you know, how do you explain uh, soil is hot? And I said, well, you turn your pinpointer on and it just goes off. I mean, you know, it just continually goes off. And even if you ground balance it, if you're there too long, it'll go off more and you'll have to ground balance it again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's like you're in a, a, you know, a bed of nails all the time. And so, you know, that's, that's something I don't know if, if you've looked into. Mine Lab's got that new, uh, detector, or I mean, the new pinpointer out. And, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm tickled to death. I use a Garrett carrot and I'm tickled to death with that yard hunting and everything like that. But I thought, man, you know, we talked about that earlier, how many times you've chased uh, a deep signal when there's been a, a nail in there, you know, or you, you're, you know, you chase after a nail and, and, and you're on the wrong signal. And I would think, you know, a little iron discrimination in a pinpointer would be nice throughout at DIV. So <laughs> might be trying that out next spring. It would. And my chat got hung <laughs> up here and I didn't see uh, some of this, but Nick Haas said, do you need a pulse inductive pinpointer too? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they all are. Aren't they all pulse? I mean, same technology? I uh, think. I mean, just not as strong. I think that they've got some now that have discrimination to where that uh, it's kind of like a mini detector. But, uh, you know, I think my uh, I think my detector just, it'll pick up a nail or, or a silver coin. They don't sound any different. Let me do a few right. shout-outs here. Dave Nestle's in uh, and uh, Tim Hawkins, Matt Perdue. My chat got hung up for a little bit. Chris Finley's in. Uh, Quarter Hoarder, we already mentioned, I think. Uh, Dump Site Digger, he's gonna, he signed up for DIV. And he's yeah, look, Jim. Yeah, he's looking at a, a, a GPX. Jim, you need to pick uh, uh, Jeff Ford's brain on that. He's, he's had his longer than I have. And uh, if you go back and listen to the first of this show or the archive of it, we do talk about some settings and things, and that will help you out because uh, Jim was one that asked me uh, some questions and everything about uh, yeah. about. Well, we got to get Jim in first. You know, this is going to be a tough draw. Uh, those people who don't know much about DIV, it's an invitation hunt, and uh, and there was a lot of people signed up for you know not a ton of uh, positions. You know, we were we were blessed in our last hunt that we went to. We put a display out. And, uh, and they kind of pulled a surprise on us and said, Hey, if you put a display out and John got your name, you're in the hunt already. So we don't have to go through any of the sign up procedure this time. And so it's, that's very nice. You know, we're already in. I mean, we still have to pay, which is fine, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we don't have to go through all the turmoil we get drawn, which you guys know how nerve wracking that is. I, yeah. And Missouri uh, Mike didn't get to go, did he? He signed up and didn't get yeah. to go. Well, yeah, and so we're hoping. You know, we've got three. Uh, we got three guys that we're hoping uh, get in this time, and uh, and so you know we've got a contingency of seven of us. Uh, one of them goes out. He always makes it a family vacation. He's been going since DIV three, so you know he's he just makes plans and they go out and spend a week at Virginia Beach, and then he comes and hunts for the week. And so, um, you know, but there's seven of us that you know want to make the trip every year, and so. Uh, you know, we, it, it's important for us to figure out logistics and everything, uh, you know, how many rigs we're going to take and, you know, how all that's going to work out. But we, it's a fun time. I mean, a thousand mile drive, but it's a blast. You know, yeah. we enjoy it a lot. We need to get a bus. We do. Yeah. And a driver. <laughs> for, for all the gear. Yeah. yeah well, but, you know, 
I know for, for years that, you know, they go overnight, they would drive just straight through the night. And, you know, I got to the point where that just kills me. And, uh, and so I just make sure that I just take off the time and, uh, you know, and plus we, you know, we've gotten to where, uh, and I, I told him, I said, man, if I'm going out there, if I'm driving a thousand miles out there with all my detecting gear, I'm going to go out a day or two early, you know, of course I'm lucky. I, I work for my cell phone so I can take off whenever I want and, mm-hmm. uh, and still be, still be working. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, go out and door knock for a couple of days prior to DIV, other than the fact that you're already tired when you get there mm-hmm. <laughs> from digging. Me and Jeff drove um, straight but, through and then we drove straight back. Of course, we're not as far as you are, but, uh, it was a, what was it a nine hour, 10 oh, hour? It's longer than 10, 11 yeah, hours? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's about, that's, that's about how far we try to make it the night it ends. So, you know, on Sunday evening when we hunt till four or five and then we take off, actually we try to leave about four and then put about eight hours in, get in at midnight, stay about your place, and then it's a day's drive home for us from there. So, see, I was thinking about flying in, uh, let's say it was a couple of years ago and, uh, just renting a car at the airport, but, uh, did, the mm-hmm. funds was a little slim, so. Yeah. Well, now you got, and you're, you're having kids now, so you'll never get to do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that's we, we honestly one of our guys wasn't going to be able to get off work on time, and so I actually pulled up airline tickets and I found a ticket from Springfield, Missouri, into Lynchburg for seventy nine bucks. Seventy nine bucks. Yes, something something like that. It was something stupid. Maybe it was one hundred and twenty nine, but it was ridiculously cheap. And I was like, you know, we could still go door knocking and pick you up in Lynchburg mm-hmm. and then go on to DIV, but it didn't work out to do that. So couple of questions yeah. here that we need to probably get to one correction uh home finder is what i say while ago did i say house hunter mm-hmm. home finder it was a 1910 barber half and uh uh then a kg3 that was a 1770 that was the one that was wow. deeper and then nick Hobbs wanted uh wanted to know are the just go detecting hunts in virginia are they easier to get into it appears they are. Um, now they are growing as well. Um, and those of you who, um, who are interested in that, it's, uh, they have, they have two Facebook pages, but one is the one you want to go to and it's the JGD organized hunts. And, uh, and so if you can, you can do a search for that, but that's where they do all their signups. Um, I know Riley goes out there, Britton Lockhart, uh, Isaac Passett. They, those guys all, uh, attended that. And I think, uh, Jocelyn Relic Recoverist, I think she attended this year as well. Um, and they, they hunt this, you know, same general area. They're hunting out in Culpeper, but, you know, they're direct competition with the DIV folks. You know, it's two people trying to do the same thing. And, uh, and so, you know, I mean, they're battling all the time for, for, for getting these properties. And, and, you know, John and Rose Kendrick do a wonderful job. Uh, you know, it's a great hunt. It's a great setup. Uh, you don't really want for anything and it's great. You know, you have, you know, just like you said, North Georgia relic, but, um, you know, North Georgia's uh, selling detectors out there and they have parts. Keith with Fort Bedford, you know, Kelly Co does a great job because they, they, uh, provide all the water, which as you guys know is vital. <laughs> it is out yeah. there because. You work up quite the thirst. And, uh, and so, I mean, you know, they're, they're great. Uh, and I haven't been to a JGD hunt. Um, um, but, you know, the guys, 
and they're hunt. I know they had hunted. I, I'm not sure if it was the third or fourth time they had hunted this property, but the guys did good. You know, Riley. I know Riley didn't find as much brass as he'd want to find, but he found. And you saw his picture, Lloyd. He found a lot of bullets. And, he did. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see the but, detectors you know, they were giving away? Uh-uh, what'd they give away? Oh, they give away, uh, it was the AT Max, uh, a couple of Mine Labs, uh, AT Pros. I mean, it was probably a seven or eight detectors they give away this past time. Yeah, and, well, from what I understand, um, everybody wins something at their hunt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which, which is, you know, that's a neat deal, and it's neat to be able to, to do that. We, we try to do that with our club hunts as well, where, you know, it's not a deal of finding the most tokens and you get the most chances. It's a deal of, hey, we want everyone to get a prize. And, uh, and I like that. I like that, you know, option. Of course, I love raffles too. And I, <laughs> I always enter to try to win another GPX. Don't know what I'd do with it, but, you know, I, I guarantee I wouldn't give that one away, uh, Loy, on my channel. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, if, uh, I bought mine from Keith at Fort Bedford and he's, uh, he really did me well. Uh, Mark Hoover's oh, he's super. Yeah, Mark Hoover's in the house. Uh, do a shout out to him. We hadn't mentioned him, but uh, yeah, I got mine from him. But uh, you know, if uh, if Mine Lab or one of the uh, dealers would give us a, uh, a GPX, we'd give it away. Me and Jeff, we don't mm-hmm. have it. You know, we don't have any problem giving away other people's stuff. We sure don't. <laughs> no, would you would you give it to me? <laughs> if you want it, uh, you've already won a pinpointer from us. I don't know if you're yeah, even qualified see, to be in the contest or not. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You give the GPX away, make sure I win it, and then I'll give it away and make sure you win it. How about that? Well, that's kind of like, uh, I don't know. If, uh, I just G- like to win. <laughs> uh, Jerry Clower told a story one time that they went to a sale, two guys did, and they bought no horse and it looked terrible and uh, brought it home you know and curried it out and kind of combed it out and guy come and he says Is that the horse you bought and he said yeah he said i'll give you he could give like 50 dollars for it he said i'll give you 75 dollars and so he said sold and he got him you know and he took him home and uh put a bridle on him and braided his mane and everything the guy come and says Is that the horse you bought for me he said yeah he said i'll give you a hundred dollars for him and they just went back and forth back and forth <laughs> one day uh the guy came over and he said i came over to see our horse and he said uh well i sold him he said you sold our horse and he said yeah and he said man you don't understand me and you was making a good living off that horse <laughs> <laughs> so yeah me and you just kind of give them back and forth like that uh i don't know yeah yeah but yeah keith keith did me uh he did me well on uh on my detector yeah. and i would suggest you know i mean i would recommend uh keith actually uh he sent me a text and he sent me text uh prior to that and uh, you can get a discount with him if you talk to him and uh then you got service after the sale and you can call him with any questions that you want and uh, i'll just tell you now fort bedford doesn't sponsor anything for us I just had no, good, me I, neither. I had good dealings with him, and you know, whenever I do, I don't mind uh, putting a plug in for somebody. Uh, Jeff, yeah, well, has, he, he's the one. Yeah, he's. The, I was going to tell you, he's the one that fixed me up with my new coil. You know, um, and my coil was out of warranty, and he said, "Well, if it's this, it's unfixable. If it's this, we can repair it." And I said, "Well, we still got a day of DIV left. Uh, you know, sell me a new one." So he sold me a new one. And he said, hey, if I can fix this one, I'll get it back to you. And, of course, I knew 
I knew was what it was doing and, and how to, you know, and what I'd studied, it was probably shot. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, or I mean, that's the, the nature of metal detecting. Sometimes they blow up. <laughs> they do, and they do it at the worst times, too. Yeah, yeah. But it's great to have, you know, someone like Keith there. And, and I mean, man, it was just easy. Of course, you know, he makes his phone number accessible to everyone. So I texted him and he said, Hey, I'll be there in the morning. And so we hooked up. I got a coil and, and that stabilized my machine something fierce. And I mean, it was like a new ball game. So I was so excited going into this last DIV with that new coil and the way everything was working. And, and, uh, I just, I can't wait to get to another. Jeff, did Jeff fall down? Sounded like no, no, no. <laughs> <coughs> a little technical difficulties, but uh, I didn't know if you had him sitting in a bucket of apples again or something. <laughs> no, not this time. <laughs> but uh, what uh, what was uh, been your favorite find at a DIV? Well, of course, the inkwell. You know, the inkwell's got to be my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, and again, I haven't found, I haven't found any state buttons. I've been around guys that find them like crazy, you know, and block A's and everything like that. But, um, you know, my first time there, um, and you know, those are the things that you remember your first time, you know, going to one of those hunts and trying to learn this silly machine. And, uh, and I dug, I dug a cuff button and, you know, it was just in really good condition and I wiped it off a little bit and I was like, wow, this has got some gold gilt on it. And so anyway, I picked away and picked away and sure enough, it was an infantry button. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that was, you know, that was my first ever inf- infantry button. And, uh, and I was pretty excited with that. Um, you know, we got into the 69 field and, uh, and, and, you know, I found 69s before you guys know, but what was neat about what was neat about and and why I would consider this kind of one of my favorite finds is because I had to stand back and watch while these guys dug, um, because, you know, you can't get very close to someone, uh, with the machines because Mm -hmm. you have interference. And so I kind of hunted the perimeters until they were done. They were all using a stock coil. One guy had a TDI and, and, uh, and so when they kind of cleared out, I just went down to that area where my buddy had, and, you know, he had showed me before where those 69s had been found. And I went out there and went really slow, and uh, and I dug one right in the middle of all those holes. Um, now, it was between a 14 and a 16-inch uh, hole that I found this thing at, and it was nose down, straight nose down. And uh, and so I called Jeremy over, and I said, hey, let's take a look at this. And he was like, oh, my goodness. And I said, yeah, I can't believe I picked that out. And so that was one that was memorable to me just because – I, I got it with the faint signals, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this place had been cleaned out of, of a lot of things and I was going back and listening and, 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 you know, we've been fortunate. We have Brandon with us who is an incredible, uh, you, I mean, he uses that pulse machine. He's done it for years and you just sit there and watch him and you go, golly, is he ever going to move? You know, and then you get done and it's like, well, I dug eight, eight buttons and, you know, 32 bullets. It's like, wow. Or seriously, and yeah. yeah, he did. I and call so, that super you know, slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I did this year, and uh, and and that's kind of how I worked. And and you know, and you know, with our machines, and and, and of course, Lloyd, you swung that CTX, 
And uh, and a lot of people don't realize, yeah, it's an ultra-powerful machine, but it's even better if you really slow down with it. And so I have, you know, I, I'll get up around a roof edge where there's just roofing nails everywhere, and you just kind of inch it along. You know, you, you'll swing. If you hear a chirp at all, you just kind of let the machine sit there, and you wiggle it a little bit, and it will eventually lock onto that target, mm-hmm. which is... An AT yeah. an That's AT Pro will do the same thing. I mean, if you just go slow, yeah. uh, GPX yeah, will do the same thing. Yeah, but you have to go slow. Yes, you do. Yeah, you have to go slow, and that's so many people. Uh, I mean, I watch them. We see them all the time. It's like they're at a uh, a club hunt and they're trying to find as much silver as they can. You know, that's buried an inch deep. Well, my uh, last video, can't. I went to uh, my Civil War site. And, uh, you know, if you've hunted a place, I've hunted this one for about four years. And if you've hunted any spot that long, you know where the concentration of most of the stuff that you found. Right, I gridded yeah. off a spot that might have been 30 foot square, maybe even up to 40 foot. And I, I said, I am going to go just as slow as I can go and really listen. And I dug uh, two gardeners, uh, 44, a uh, eagle cuff button and uh the belt adjuster in a spot that probably wasn't 10 foot square but it was just going yeah. slow and i actually yeah. turned the gain down on my detector uh from what it was i turned it down from i was running at 12 or 13 i can't remember but i turned it down to seven and eight and i think that that helped me one question yeah, that we that's what i'm one question that we got and then i'll turn it back to you is uh, mark hoover says does anyone do what do well at div without a pi machine like with a ctx 3030 we covered this earlier in the program but we'll reiterate not in the fields you uh you're pretty well uh dead in the water in the field with a vlf machine but now you can get in the woods and uh, you can find some stuff and if you can find a spot that's got some shallow bullets in the field, I guess that you could find mm-hmm. a few, but uh, yeah, but that's hard to do because it's been hunted so hard. Yeah, where is the uh, spring hunt going to be? What farm? <laughs> this is a new farm, and uh, and and the uh, location will not be released until the night before. Um, it, this is a farm. Uh, John had posted about it that it is uh, one he's been after for a long time. And he finally got the contract done on it. And it has colonial, confederate, and union um, possibilities on it. My goodness. It's going to be, and that's why, you know, I mean, they shut down sign-ups a couple days early just because they had already gotten 438 How many are they going to take? Do you know? Well, there's already 118 of us that are in. Uh, just because of like we discussed earlier and so they're saying that they're probably going to take another 150 and then have a hundred on the sign-up list so that's i mean on the alternates list so that's 250 out of 438 so basically 200 people uh, won't make the cut so it's going it's going to be rough for them i mean i feel for them but you know uh, still you just sit there and go hey you know you guys have built this up to where it's such a desirable thing. You know, I know it's stressful um, because they have lots of friends and everything that, you know, that, that hunt and have hunted and, and continue to go on. And so, you know, they pose the question on suggestions on how to, 
how to actually, uh, you know, fill these spots, you know, doing a, doing a lottery draw or, you know, how to do it. And so, you know, I don't know. I, they, they probably ought to come up with a formula. I mean, I've, I've been fine with the way they've done it on, you know, just an invitation thing, but, you know, a lot of people are calling for change and these are probably people who, you know, haven't gotten kicked, which I, I can totally understand that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jeff and I both were fortunate last year. We both got picked, and uh, Hornbush got in, and uh, and all of uh, Team Hornbush. I think everybody got in, didn't mm-hmm. they? Of course, you. you yeah, got to well, look. that 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 was a yeah that was a great farm too because it was twelve hundred acres, and uh-huh. so you know it it could house a lot of people. Um, and and from what I understand, this next farm is a very large farm as well. Um, but I would assume, and I would do this, I mean, you know, being a businessman, I would do this as well. I would do it in sections. You know, I would have this spring, we're doing a section, which it sounds like what they're going to do. You know, 250 people come in and, you know, maybe hunt 400 acres. I don't know, you know, what the breakdown will be. But then, you know, doing it that way, if you got a 1,200-acre farm, then, you know, you're guaranteed three hunts, um, you know, a possibility. Oh, yeah. Because... You know that that's that's their business. That's what they do. They need to make sure that they always have a place to go. And so, but you know, I mean, I would go back to Rat Tree uh, again in a heartbeat, and just you know, just go slow. And there's there's just people can't understand. I couldn't understand it until you sit there and look at the trailer that was lined up with all these displays. You can't understand the amount of bullets. I've always pictured you know. Man, these guys must have been running around all open shirted and pants falling down because none of them got buttons. <laughs> you know, because they're because they're everywhere out there. I mean, thousands of buttons, and I, you know, I've never seen the statistics from these hunts, but so you look, gracious. I didn't yeah. know if you if you uh, put up a display that you were automatically chosen for the next hunt if you wanted to hunt. Well, that here's just the deal. This here's year. what they. Yeah, what they did at the first hunt we went to. Um, if you put out a display, everyone got a ticket, and they drew one ticket, and that person got a free hunt to use whenever they wanted. But then they drew, like, 18 names that got in already, um, that they got into the hunt. You know, they didn't have to go through the sign-ups. They still have to pay. And so going into this last one, you know, we were expecting the same thing, and they drew the one winner, and everybody, you know, of course, you know, everybody groaned because it wasn't them. And then Rose got up with the bag, and she said, you know, at the last hunt, we drew 15 or 20 names to, you know, to go in for the hunt. And, you know, we're all sitting there on, you know, waiting. And she just threw the bag to the side and says, oh, we're not going to do that this time. And, boy, I tell you what, you talk about this. Oh, man. And she goes, every one of you that put a display up, um, and talk to John and show, you know, John was over there with the list. We didn't know what he was doing with the list, but everyone put a display up. He marked them. And so she just said, if your name's on that list that John marked, you're in. You don't need to sign up. And so, man, it was hooping and hollering. Everybody was excited about that, you know, not knowing that, that it would be such a small number that they would take this time. And yeah. so it was, uh, I mean, that's a great thing. You know, that was a great thing they did. Um, you know, and it makes it easier on them. It's 150 less names that they have to pick, roughly. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, are they uh, are they going to have a uh, are they going to have a follow up hunt like back to back hunts at this farm this spring? It doesn't. It 
it doesn't sound like it. No, um, original a, when we were when we were at the DIV thirty eight, uh, Rose was pushing to have two hunts. In fact, she had posted on the site um, DIV forty and DIV forty one for spring. Um, and John only wanted to have one, so I'm not sure what all happened in the meantime. But DIV forty one disappeared off the board, and it is just a single hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, you know, I I mean, honestly, I I look at it from a business standpoint. And you know, if they want to keep doing this, they need to make sure that they have properties. And uh, you know, they've never had competition before, but now just go detecting has come in. You know, and they're they're growing and growing, and you know, they went from. A hunt with you know eighty people. I think their first hunt was. I, I can't remember. Riley was telling me something about it, but they went from you know like eighty to now. You know, they're up in the two hundred. You know, three hundred people wanting to go. Yeah, I was and on so the... they have an al- they have an alternate list as well. So you know, there's there's just a lot of demand uh, for that. You know, I mean, if you think of all the troops that were there. Um, and and just all the relics that are there. It's something a guy here living in Missouri doesn't get a chance to do a whole lot. Nor us either. You know, I mean, we, we're fortunate enough that we have uh, quite a few uh, sites that are around us. Uh, the Gallatin site was really good to us. But, you yeah. know, there's, there's not a ton of those that haven't already been hunted to death or trying to get permission to get on them and stuff. You know, we know where other ones are at. But... Uh, you know the landowners are uh, they uh, they won't uh, they won't let you hunt on it. So right. we're getting close to the yeah. end of the program. Won't you tell everybody how that they can uh, get in touch with you, your YouTube page, Facebook page, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my YouTube channel is Plugmaster Ford, and Plugmaster is all one word. If you separate it out, you'll find something about car parts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Plugmaster Ford. I'm on Facebook. Um, we have a Plugmasters group on Facebook. You're sure welcome to join it. Um, uh, everything I do is family friendly. My videos are family friendly. You're not going to hear language or sexual innuendo or anything like that. And we keep Plugmasters the same way. It's about sharing your finds, uh, commenting on others' finds, and just having a good time. And so we have that page as well. My personal Facebook page is Jeff Ford, and uh, I accept almost every friend request, uh, unless you're wearing some evil shirt or something in your <laughs> picture, uh, or flipping the bird, which I've had that posed to me before as well. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much not going to friend you uh, on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and, and people can always email me as well, FordCat1 at yahoo.com is my email address and that's my last name Ford, and then C-A-T the number one at yahoo so you're always welcome to email me and I, I try to get back I try to answer uh, all the comments and uh, that I get on the video Loy I know you do that as well and uh, and uh, so, you know just and I know Jeff's responded to mine on his before as well uh, that's that's a great way to you know for me to keep in touch with everyone um i do wish people would always write their name when they comment you know if it's not in their username because it's hard to you know it's hard to keep up with i'm the kind of guy that likes to know their names and i know you guys are the same way um you know, you know dump, you... dump site that's that's jim you know jim benito dump site digger i'm glad he always signs jim you yeah. know so i know hey thanks jim 
you know. And, uh, and you learned some of those so. with time, but uh, like yeah, you say, exactly. whenever, when you've got a couple of thousand people that subscribe to your channel, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, it's kind of hard, you know, to remember yeah. everybody's yeah. first name. Uh, I go, and, you know, I, I, was, I was telling Mike, I said, I don't know why we do this. We always seem to post videos on the days we're going metal detecting, and so I can't really respond to them as quickly as I want to, you know we're out detecting but well i uh, do most of mine yeah. on my cell phone and i have in the field while i'm hunting i have uh responded to people uh because do you know the day that you put a video out that's where you get the most traffic and the most comments and everything exactly i'm gonna have to go to a weekly schedule i think um i you know i've been just kind of just throwing them out i try to get them out every three or four days and then i've been backed up on videos and but I think I'm going to start condensing down to, you know, even though I hunt a couple of times a week, I might just put together videos that are, you know, <laughs> I think better everybody, than what they normally if do. If you pick one day a week and then you uh, discipline yourself that you're going to put a video out there, people know your day and people that follow you know that you're going to put a video out that day. And I think it, uh, you know, it's a little bit of structure and everything. We put ours out on Tuesday. Uh, mm-hmm. It is uh, Digging with Seven. And uh, we, uh, Tennessee Jeff and I combined, he has a uh, YouTube page as well, uh, Tennessee Jeff. We've also got a Relics Radio Facebook page. I've got a Digging with Seven Facebook page. And uh, Jeff has a Facebook page, Jeff Warwick. It has Tennessee Hunter in it, but you would probably have to uh, look at uh, the Jeff Warwick thing there mm-hmm. and we're giving It'll all have tennessee jeff out beside it yeah we were giving all this information out or you was there a while ago and uh, mark hoover said and your bank account number <laughs> yeah, i got it yeah <laughs> well he it's wants it zero 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 <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say the balance yeah. he said the bank account number oh, oh okay well, i don't even know what that is I anyway canceled it anyway yeah anyway jeff so glad to have you tonight yes and, thank you very uh, much to talk to you and uh glad that we had all of the uh people in the chat and uh we uh we certainly do appreciate it and i hope that we all get together at div in the spring and uh, i had the opportunity uh, me and jeff did to meet you and to hunt with you some and i'll just tell everybody that uh, uh jeff ford is class act yeah. and if you've yeah. got some questions on uh uh jim uh dump site digger if you've got some more questions holler at uh, jeff ford he can he can probably give you more information than i can but uh, uh me and jeff will be you know we'll be more than happy to share whatever knowledge that we have but anyway good either to have, one of us either one yeah i was gonna say either one of us if we don't know we'll just make it up so that's it. You know, you'll be good anyway <laughs> well now jeff jeff and i's new motto is we're just a couple of rednecks with a uh metal detector and so yeah yeah you know that's what i always said my my whole motto is my wife always says that i'm full of it and i always thought she meant knowledge but i'm beginning (laughs) to question that now yeah yeah Uh, my (laughs) wife has said the same thing but anyway uh so good to have you uh on tonight and uh we will be back next thursday night here on uh, relics radio and uh, certainly do appreciate it. Hang on just a minute, Jeff, and as I close this out, I'll uh, I'll catch you on the phone. But uh, all right, well, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Alrighty. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Jeff. But we're gonna roll on out of here.
thank you so much for joining us tonight on Relics Radio. We hope you enjoyed tonight's show. A special thanks to our guest and to you for your comments and questions. We really do appreciate it. Take a minute and hit the like button and be sure that you follow us on Spreaker so that you can get notifications of all of our upcoming broadcasts. You can also find us on YouTube at Digging with 7 or Tennessee Jeff. Or you can check us out on Facebook at Digging with 7 or Jeff Warwick. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then send an email to diggingwith7 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you'll join us on our next broadcast. And until then, get out there and dig some history. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.